Hello, this is Joshua Mack from Cornerstone Bible Church. We are talking marriage and family. And uh, we have been thinking lately a little bit about the importance of the way we communicate in our families. You could say we're talking about our everyday talk. So not just how we uh, talk to others who don't know us very well or not just how we talk when we're standing in front of a group of people that we want to impress, but how do we talk on a regular basis in our homes to our spouses and to our children? We've been looking at the book of Proverbs specifically, and the first thing that we have uh, emphasized is the importance of our everyday speech. I think if there's one parenting tool or uh, marriage topic that is undervalued in our practice, in our families. It's got to be the way that we communicate. This is one one of those areas of life, I think, that it's obvious to us. We know our everyday speech, it matters, but I don't think that we understand its importance always quite as much as the Bible does. The way we speak in our families on an everyday basis is it's kind of like a a steering wheel. It it takes our family somewhere. You can imagine driving with someone who, who never touches the steering wheel, unless I guess he's driving a Tesla. But the rest of us who drive regular cars we have to have our hands on the steering wheel most of the time. And that's because, obviously, the steering wheel helps you direct the car where you want it to go. And the way you speak on a daily basis takes your family somewhere. And so uh, we have looked at Proverbs and talked about the importance of, of our everyday speech. But while it's good to know, of course, that speech is important, We also need to know what to do so that we can speak well. And the whole Bible kind of answers this question, but I want to focus our attention mostly on Proverbs and give a a couple suggestions. Uh, If speech is this powerful, what should we do? And really, the first thing you need to do is act like it. This is step number one, act like it. I don't know if you ever talked to one of your children about something, and you really wanted them to know this is important. This is so important. Maybe you gave them something to carry somewhere and it was expensive and it was breakable. And uh, I don't know why you gave them that, but maybe you did. And so you were like, uh, please be careful. And they are like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And you're like, no, seriously, you have to be so careful. And they're like, okay, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And so you hand it to them very carefully and almost the first thing they do is take off running. And you're like, no, that, that is not being careful. And that's the way a lot of us are when it comes to the Bible and the way we talk. We're like, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. But we're not careful. If our speech has this kind of power, really truly has this kind of power, if it's the difference between health and sickness, if it's the difference between life and death, then we need to be careful, more careful about how we use it. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 3, Solomon says, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life, 
and he who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. And that is such a cool illustration, guarding your mouth, whoever guards his mouth, especially when you contrast it with opening wide your lips. There's a person who goes around and it's like his mouth is always open. He just says stuff. If I think it, it needs to be said. If I feel it, it's going to come out. He doesn't evaluate his speech. He's not really concerned about whether it's the right thing to say or whether he should. It's the moment to say it. He just says it, and the result is ruin. (laughs) He who opens wide his mouth comes to ruin. In other words, not being careful about the way you speak, being hasty in your speech is, is dangerous. Obviously, it's, it's possible to talk too little. Uh, you need to talk. Most of our family, we are talkers, but we have some who aren't uh, really as prone to talk. And so we've had talks from the Bible, actually, with one another about the fact that you, you actually have to learn to communicate what is in your heart. But on the other hand, it is really dangerous if you talk too much as well. And too much, basically, is opening your mouth and letting come out whatever comes out. Words are too powerful not to think about what you're saying. That's how you guard it. You think about what you're saying, which, of course, you usually do when you're with strangers. But unfortunately, you often don't do when you're in your home. And that is foolish. You know, how many times did your dad or mom say when you were young, think before you speak? And that's a really important piece of wisdom. The problem is that it's also very hard to do. How do you guard your mouth, especially in your, in your family? <laughs> how do you think before you speak? First of all, I th- you definitely need to realize that your words belong to God. You are a slave of God. You are a servant of God. And so your words are not your own. That You're an ambassador. You represent Jesus Christ if you're a Christian. And so as a representative of Jesus Christ, you need to take your job, obviously, very seriously. So I think guarding your speech, being slow in your speech, first of all, recognize, involves recognizing that Jesus is your Lord and Your words belong to him, and you need to submit to him with the way you speak. Second of all, uh, you pray. How How do you think before you speak? You ask God for help. You should make your speech a matter of prayer because you're going to need God's help. This is not an area in your life that you can really do well on your own. James says, actually, he puts it in a very strong way. He says, no human being can tame the tongue. And I don't think he's trying to take away hope when he says that. Like, oh, well, stinks to be human. You're never going to be able to speak well. Instead, he wants to challenge you to put your hope in the right place. If you're going to guard your speech, you need to go to God and you need to ask him to help you learn to speak the way he wants And uh, you need to get to work after that. You don't just pray, you work. If there's one area (laughs) to uh, focus on in order to improve your whole life, it is speech, 
the way you speak. And so this is definitely an area, if you're wise, that you are going to put some serious effort into. And I'll give some more ideas exactly how to do that in a podcast to follow. But one good place to start is by practicing being slower to speak, especially, again, in your homes and especially, again, in your everyday speech. You can think more about what you're saying if you're a little slower to say it. Proverbs twenty nine twenty. Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? And again, hasty means quick. Listen to this. There is more hope for a fool than for him. And that's intense because Proverbs doesn't have a lot of hope for a fool. If there's one person Proverbs doesn't have a lot of hope for, it is a fool. And yet it has even less hope for someone who is just so quick to speak. He's always talking, 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 talking. Now, in case you really enjoy talking, I don't think uh, Solomon's concern is so much the nice little old grandma who is always loving to have a conversation and is really good at small talk. Maybe there's some application there, I'm sure. But I think instead the kind of person he's concerned with is different. I think he's referring to the person who is talking a lot because of pride. He's hasty in his speech because he's full of himself and he thinks he knows it all. And so he just talks quickly without thinking and he isn't really interested in growing or learning from others as much as he is in sharing his own opinion. One good practice in life is, especially when you're with believers, to recognize that you are with people who have the Spirit of God. And so who, whoever they are, whether they're older or whether they're younger, wherever they come from, to put yourself in a place as you're in conversations with them, where you're thinking, what can I learn from them? What has God, who dwells in them, taught them through his word that they can use to teach me? And that, of course, if you believe that, will make you a little slower sometimes in your conversation because you don't only want to share what the Lord has taught you, which you, you should want to share, of course, but you also uh, want to learn what has the Lord taught them? Other uh, people are hasty in their speech because not only are they proud, they're, they're actually talking a lot because they want to control the conversation so that no one gets too close to them so they don't have to change. This is the kind of person who's actually, it's almost like he's talking to conceal. And uh, he, when he's in conversations, especially with people who are wise, has so many words because he he really doesn't want to let the other person close enough to actually actually push him where he doesn't want to go. The kind of person that uh, Solomon's concerned about when he, he talks about being hasty in speech is someone who talks because of pride, someone who perhaps talks to control conversations. It's someone who is talking as a means of self-exaltation or self-justification. It's tempting, especially if you live for the approval of people and you're not really sure deep down in your heart that you're justified completely by the righteousness of Christ to use your words as a means to make yourself look good or let others know 
how good you are so that you can get a little bit of their approval almost as a means of, of justifying yourself. This is why sometimes people, too, they are uh, hasty in their speech. They're talking to defend themselves. They, they, they have to let others know that they're, they're right. The person who is uh, talking, 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 it's not just a, a, a person who is thinking, how do I serve Jesus with my words? And I really love this person and I just want to share truth with them and and enter into a conversation with them where we can really enjoy Christ together, of course. It's a, a person who is babbling because he is all about himself. He thinks of his words as his own, and he hasn't really taken much time to consider how powerful words are, and you do not want to be that person. And that's one reason you should work at being a little slower to speak, especially on matters of importance, because it gives you time to ask, is what I'm saying worth saying? And why am I saying it? And you know, is this even the time to say it? If speech is important, what do we do? One, act like it. How? Believing, believing that it is believing the Bible, to praying, three, uh, slowing down, not just talking, 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 but slowing down with your speech. Four, maybe speeding up with your speech. If speech is this important, you're going to have to talk. And so some of you are going to have to think, do I say enough words? Do I, do I reveal enough of who I am? It's, it's, one thing to do no harm with your speech, it's another to promote health. And the people around you are sick in many different ways, spiritually sick. And God has given you words as a means of grace, a way to communicate truth and kindness to others. And so it may be that you need to uh, talk more if you really believe speech is important. Certainly, whatever you do, you're going to have to develop self-control. If, if speech is this important, you, you're going to need to develop the self-discipline to put off a certain way of speaking and put on another way of speaking, which is really difficult for those of us maybe who spend so much of our lives just doing whatever we want to do and who are controlled by our feelings. I was talking to one of my children the other night, actually, and they were having a difficult time going to sleep because we had to go to sleep before a certain movie they were watching was over. And uh, they uh, were disappointed that the movie had to be turned off and, of course, then that they had to wake up early to go to school the next day. And I was uh, encouraging them, I know this is going to be a challenge because I could see it starting to happen on his, uh, his face. And it's going to be a challenge, but this is an opportunity to honor God and uh, to exercise self-control. And he said, Dad, how do I do that? And that's a, that's a good, pretty good question. And of course, we're not going to be able to do it if we're not believers. But even as believers, it's going to require self-discipline. And part of that self-discipline is just recognizing the moment that you're in and 
that when you're disappointed or when you're in a tense situation, your emotions start going one direction and you sometimes have more energy than you normally would and your mouth starts to open more than it might. And a lot of times you begin saying things that when you're thinking carefully and clearly, you know are not true. And so part of what a wise person does who recognizes the value of truth is develop the ability in those moments to say no to themselves in order to give themselves enough time for their emotions to calm down so that they can actually not make the situation worse by saying things that are not true, that they don't even really agree with, and instead putting on uh, true things to say. And of course, if you're going to do that, uh, one of the things that you're going to have to do on a regular basis is fill your mind with truth. If speech is really this important, if your everyday speech is really this important, then you're going to have to have a heart that is actually filled with good things to say. It's hard to give people unselfish words. It's hard to give people beautiful words if you don't have beautiful, unselfish thoughts. And so part of why there needs to be regular communion with God and part of why you need to be so desperate about filling your mind with truth is so that in situations where life is just happening and and things are moving quickly, you have things in your heart that come out that are good for others. So uh, my daughter is with um, my dad in South Africa right now. And he's been in the hospital for about two weeks and he's on all kinds of medicine. He has pneumonia and we don't know. This this might be the time that he goes to heaven or he might the Lord might bring him through. But the last couple of days have been really, really, really special as he's not able to say much. Uh, my daughter wrote me a uh, text the other day and she says she said that uh, granddad wasn't able to say anything really all day today, except for uh, looking at mom and saying, sweethearts for a lifetime, sweethearts for a lifetime, my whole world. Apparently she came in the, in the room and that's what he said when he saw her and he, he couldn't let go of her hand. And so she said, two things I know for sure, granddad loves Jesus and granddad loves uh, grandma. He was a little better uh, yesterday, but he was um, he was sort of in and out of consciousness. It was kind of like he was dreaming, but as he was dreaming, he he was uh, preaching a sermon, and so he asked uh, he 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 was preaching the sermon to Cambria almost as if he were preaching it uh, or preparing it. And so his uh, little finger, she sent me a video of his little. His finger, uh, it was as if he was writing on the sheets. And, uh, you know, the sermon was all about uh, the importance of trusting God. And he was actually even quoting scripture verses. She recorded it for me. It was really, really powerful. And he was actually even uh, speaking to himself. The night before, uh, 
he didn't want grandma to go. And so Cambria had said to him, uh, granddad, um, God's with you. Because he said, I don't want to be alone. And she said, uh, granddad, God is with you. God is with you. You're never alone. You're never alone. And he said, I know, I know, but it's just better when uh, Carol is with me too. And uh, so I I guess he had been thinking about that somehow in his sleep or thinking about that. And so in this little sermon he was preaching, he, he said, you know, we need to trust God. We need to trust God. He said, and it's not easy. It's not easy. I don't always trust God. He said, just like, like yesterday, I, was, uh, I need to trust God that he's for me. And I was not believing that the way I should. And that's why I wasn't content with being by myself. And while, of course, he's being sweet, maybe even a little hard on himself, it's not good for me to be alone, granddad. The reason, though, that he's able to uh, say those kinds of things, even as he's under the influence of medicine, is because he spent 60 years or more, I guess, uh, a lot more, (laughs) a lot more. Uh, He's 87 now, so he spent most of his life 71 years, he became a Christian at, at, at 16. He spent 71 years filling up his heart with truth, with Bible verses. And his heart is so full now that even as he's an old man facing death, he is preaching truth to himself. And that's, that doesn't happen in a day, but it happens because of a whole lot of Spirit-produced hard work. And someone whose heart is filled up like that is going to be uh, the person whose speech brings blessing to others. And that's the kind of person that we want to be in our families. Everyday speech is important. So what do we do? We need to act like it. Are you acting like the way you talk to your children, the way you talk to your husband, or the way you talk to your wife, in those moments when nobody's around, you're just talking, are you acting like your speech in those moments has life-shaping power? Because it really does.